Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Chuck Tate. Andy King. You doing all right? I'm doing great. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Really yeah. good. Really good. Enjoying summer. It's a bit hot for me. I got yeah. my English skin can't take it sometimes. Though. But you're into all that, yeah, right? I mean, I'm getting ready to go to Phoenix. So, Ugh, yeah. yeah, no, you can have it. I'm sorry. Uh. I mean, no, no <laughs> offense to the people listed <laughs> from can, Arizona. <laughs> I know people all say, well, it's a dry heat. Yeah, so is an oven, but I don't sleep in it. <laughs> oh, man. I tell you what, I know we have a lot of laughs. We have a lot of um, cries in laughing, right? I mean, yep, we, we have yep. a good time, and I think that's why a lot of people are listening to the podcast. But today is one of those ones that got me right between the eyes. Yeah, this is heavy. Heavy. But a lot of hope. And, uh, you know, I, as we started um, just talking about this, um, I just felt like we, we just got to get into this story. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about the gentleman that we're about to interview today? Well, his name is Brian Jackson, and I met, through, met him through mutual friend at Tyndale House Publishers. And I um, had him on my former podcast really great guy love his heart and i think right away people are going to connect with them his story though is it's almost unbelievable and anyone listening today who's been hurt by someone who's supposed to love you and maybe you've struggled with forgiveness and you've struggled with some of the things that have been done to you i know yeah that brian is going to speak directly into your heart today yeah and it's a message filled with hope and it's filled with forgiveness and if anyone can walk the forgiveness journey like he does i mean if he can then it's possible for anyone that's really what i'm saying absolutely yeah so um i know this is this is gonna um this may be a, a kleenex yeah, uh, you know, you may need to get your tissues on this yeah. because this story is incredible, and uh, we're just going to let uh, Brian Jackson tell his story. So why don't you sit back and relax, and enjoy this conversation with Brian Jackson? This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone. It's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today's extraordinary story began when he was only 11 months old and his father injected him with HIV-tainted blood. Five years later, Brian, unaware of his father's heinous actions, doctors diagnosed him with full-blown AIDS. Since the age of 13, Brian has used his incredible story to impact lives worldwide from speaking at congregational briefings in Washington, D.C., to high schools, colleges, juvenile centers, and youth organizations across the nation. His journey of hope has taken him internationally to Haiti, Ecuador, England, and he's going to love that, Kenya and Canada. Brian has been featured on The Doctors and was the winner of 
one of People Magazine's Heroes Among Us and ABC World News' Diane Sawyer's Person of the Week. Did I mention he is a Guinness World Book of Record holder? Let's meet him right now. Brian Jackson, welcome to Revival Town Podcast. Thank you for having me. Man, well, listen, Brian, we, me and you go back a few years ago, met you um, through a mutual friend at Tyndale House Publishers, and you were on a former podcast of mine, 41 Strong. So I just want to say it's really great to have you. Thanks for taking time to, to hang with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. How, and this is our first time we've met, Brian. Uh, your story, um, when Chuck was telling me about it, I was like, man, we've got to have Brian on just to tell the story, not just of of what happened to you and, and everything coming through, but also this story of hope and uh, what you're doing right now as well. So uh, great to meet you. We cannot wait to jump into this story of yours and uh, and just looking at this, just that first first line that Chuck just mentioned uh, about your father injecting you with HIV tainted blood. Can you take us back to that? Obviously, you were very young, um, but can you tell us the journey of, of what happened back then? I know people are going to want to jump into this story very quickly uh, because it's, yes, it was a dark period, but there is so much hope at the end of this story as well. Oh, there's absolutely more hope at the end of the story. And that's what I want to um, encourage everybody before we dive in. It's like no matter the circumstances that you are going through, there is hope. And it may not all be, you know, perfect bells and whistles and stuff, but um, that hope is available to all of us. And if we just continue to trust in that hope, um, we might see things that we never imagined before for our life. But to take you back to my story, when I was 11 months old, uh, my father, who was the phlebotomist at a uh, hospital, um, decided that he did not want me and stole HIV tainted blood from his workplace. And when I was born, I had a bunch of asthma complications. And when they, I was in the hospital for like a week, Basically, my mother tried reaching out to him saying, hey, you know, your son's in the hospital. Any good loving father might want to know, you know, there's kids in the hospital. But um, when she's calling these hospitals, they're like, ma'am, I think you got the wrong place in because Brian Stewart doesn't have any kids. So the day I was about ready to be checked out, he makes a surprise visit and just shows up. And my mother was hungry and tired and she was just ready to take me home and just really wanted something to drink and so she kind of uh, didn't want to fight with him and said hey can you go get me something to drink and she said he said no uh, I'll stay here and watch your kid while you go get something to drink hey can I jump and in here Bryce where... hey, can I jump in and, and ask so your parents were not married at this time right they were not you, married they were, not, they were never okay. married yeah. Okay. Okay. All and right. it was like an on again, off again relationship. Okay. okay. Um, right. So uh, next thing you know, um, uh, as my mother exited the room, he uh, took out the HIV tainted blood and came over to my bedside at 11 months old and intentionally injected me with the HIV virus, hoping I would <sighs> die off and he wouldn't have to pay child support. Um, it was also incompatible blood, so my vital signs were starting to go out of whack. I was freaking out, crying. Um, 
my mom rushed back into the room. He made up his excuse that he had to get back to work and doctors are tending to me, trying to get everything calm and stuff. And then about, you know, several hours later, they ended up uh, getting everything under control. And they're like, that's weird. He's only here for an asthma attack. What happened? And we didn't find out until 1990, uh, 1996, when I was five years old. Wow. So during that time, was your mom noticing things that obviously didn't seem right in those five years? And that's why you went in five years later? Or was this just... Obviously, it was a shock, but just something happened to where you had to be in the hospital. Yeah, so um, over the course of those five years, um, there's uh, certain things that I would get, and they just wouldn't go away that fast. And um, then, you know, I'd be going from like this playful, happy, energetic five-year-old to this like sick, feverish kid, like within a matter of days, like one day I'd be great, the next day, sick everybody's just trying to figure out what's wrong with me i was even having like these mood swings you know like i could be the nicest angel on earth and then like all of a sudden in the in the snap like bam i'm flying out the handles so they said it would be like what is wrong with them like there's all these things and since i wasn't at risk for hiv i wasn't being tested for it instead i was being tested for numerous diseases even rare ones that only exist in other countries and then my mom and pediatrician both had this like same dream that said test them for HIV. And so mm. I tested for HIV and right there I was diagnosed with full-blown AIDS and three uh, uh, opportunistic infections. Oh my goodness. So in that moment when she received the diagnosis that you had full-blown AIDS, did, did her mind go directly to, I know his dad did this or was that revealed later? She was kind of, I, I think that's what kind of ignited the dreams. I think she was starting to remember the conversations that she had with my dad about one of the very last things my dad said to my mom before he took off is, don't worry about looking me up for child support. Your child's not going to live long. Uh, and she didn't even think about that until like, mm. well, my child's not living long. You know, my child's not living a normal life. Yeah. Um, mm. and so she was putting two to two together and she kind of told people, people thought it was crazy, you know, because why, why would a dad do that? Why would, um, how is that even possible? Nobody's ever done that before, you know, all these things. And then, um, that's when the investigators came in and started like trying to figure out how could I have possibly gotten HIV and then all roads were leading and all fingers were pointing at Brian Stewart. He had access, he had motive, and he was arrested. Wow. So in that moment, obviously for your mom, there's relief there. He is arrested. Um, how, how long did he go in for? You know, was this something that was so, because obviously I don't, I don't know the whole story. Um, is he still in or... Did he get out? Uh, he was prosecuted, correct? I mean... Yes, he was sentenced to life in prison on um, uh, first degree assault charges, I believe. And he um, has been eligible for parole twice now. And um, at both times, I you know, spoke at his parole hearing saying, I don't think he should get out. 
you know, even though I forgave him, right. which is like a whole another thing that we can talk about today. Yeah. Um, but, you know, forgiveness doesn't excuse somebody from, you know, what they've done. Doesn't ex- the, it's events. Yeah. And um, basically his next parole hearing will be in five years. So that was uh, good news. A little bit of a relief. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. H- has he ever contacted you and, and apologized? Um, he has not contacted me and apologized. He is actually, uh, um, I've had people show up at my doorstep. He said they uh, have uh, saved time with them and uh, wanted to talk to me. And I was uh, ready to pack Whoa. to Canada, you know. <laughs> wow. My goodness. Man, that's... That's heavy. So when when you uh, obviously, I'm sure he was your dad was arrested and tried and, pr- and then prosecuted, and um, you were probably pretty young when all that was going on. Did how did it affect you once you found out uh, your, your dad did this? Well, my mom was always uh, really honest with me, and you know she, uh, you know, quit like you know your dad did something bad. You kind of you're the like all the stuff that's going on, um, but I'm like you know five years old and my my discipline for right and wrong is just basically saying sorry you know because it was just so innocent and young you know yeah. like and it's, so I was just like wondering like why can't he say he's sorry you know and I'm excited to see how this is affecting me affecting my family. But I didn't really put like two and two together to like really, like I. It's like one of those things that like, you've always known, mm. but then it just doesn't like really hit you in like these epiphanies and understanding um, until you start living life, you know. Um, so my health was still in jeopardy during his trial, and it was you know just a roller coaster, and like to get into school was just a challenge like they didn't even want me to go to school and try to get my mom to homeschool and she said no not an option my kid's gonna have a normal life yeah and so they finally let me go to school but it was only for like three days a week half days you know had to uh tell everybody i was hiv positive couldn't use the water fountain you know could only use one restroom in the whole school uh, my mom negotiated it down to like nobody needs to know about his health thing but i mean the the case was like so almost global here yeah, in yeah. uh st charles county um that people could put see my mom and put two and two together so i was losing friends my older sister who has a different dad her dad walked out of her life because he didn't want to be associated with the aids family and that's uh, what we were known as like the aids family um uh, there's just like so much discrimination and bullying going on. And then that's when I like started like at 13, like really like my dad is like the cause of all of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's when it really like hit me like, Oh wow. Yeah. Because yeah. And then that's when I was like, actually like started to get like really angry and like really bitter mm-hmm. and feel like the world like kind of just owes me. And, um, that part of the story does not end well. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, um, obviously attending school had its challenges when you're branded 
putting labels on you that, you know, the age family and, um, you know, were, was school hard for you? Uh, school was extremely hard for me. Uh, well, I wanted a, uh, I, I guess in a social ideology, um, because I mean, you didn't even have to get to the age age part that like pick on me right you could have just uh you know i i wear these i wore these glasses and hearing aids and my um hearing aids like popped out my ears and i looked like dumbo with glasses you know and uh, yeah, so, yeah you know people could be making fun of that like kids are brutal man they, yeah. they just um fine like i i didn't i wore most of my insecurities you know i was small i was um, like there's a whole list of things that you can get to. Um, but then it like definitely struck me even more when they got to the age because they were calling me names like AIDS boy, gay boy, you know, freak running away for me. Like I had a gun, I'm having pants mm. and, uh, kids say, you're not invited to that birthday party. Uh. Um, kids saying like, my mom says I can't hang out with you anymore. Um, oh, wow. all, all these things are going yeah. on and like. Uh, I just came to a really dark place that I'm just like, I don't think there's any hope. I don't think that anybody likes me. Um, uh, and then I was starting to stick up for myself, but the school wasn't doing anything about it. And uh, they were saying, oh, just let us know when it happens again. Let us know when it happens again. I'm like, okay, I'll let you know, I'll let you know. But they wouldn't do anything about it. And uh, so I started getting advice to defend myself. And um, then I was starting to be called the problem child by adults at school. because, And I was told um, what that means is if I just wasn't there, then there wouldn't be a problem. Wow. That's, That's crazy. crazy. So, so that school period obviously was dark. Um did you have to leave that school then, or did you stick through um, to to graduation? You know, uh, with what people were saying, did you have to leave? So, um, eighth grade, I went to a school uh, in my district that uh, accepts like uh, people who are hard of hearing and um, hearing impaired, yeah. and so I went there for eighth grade. And then I went back to the high school with all the people that I kind of grew up with and stuff. Um, but there, yes, there were still some of the same situations going on. Sure. But when I was 13, I, almost, I tried taking my life because I had three knives in front of me and I asked myself, which one can cut deeper? I was, I'll just be doing everybody a favor. And in my moment of desperation, this voice called me over to my Bible and I picked it up and uh, the verse I looked up, it said, why is it downcast? Oh, my soul, put your hope in God. Wow. And I looked up like, and I was like, what is hope? You know, like that word hope just like stuck out to me. And uh, we had this like uh, set of encyclopedias and dictionaries in my house, you know, for the, the young lads who don't understand what an encyclopedia <laughs> is. Uh, it's a book Wikipedia uh, here. <laughs> And that, that's normally where I would go for my resources uh, because we didn't have, uh, we did have internet. It was dialed up internet. So I couldn't just Google, you know, what is hope because my mom yeah. has, uh, you know, 
she's uh, one mom, six kids, you know, so all the kids are always calling the house, always disrupting the uh, internet <laughs> yeah. connection there. So I had to do some deep searching on that, what is hope, you know? Yeah. And um, I realized that in life, we all go through struggles. Um, but when we have those struggles, there's two questions that we ask. And one is, why is this happening to me? And what can I, and the second is, what can I get out of this? And I realized um, for this is, uh, why is this happening to me? I realized, why not me? You see, like, um, you know, the Bible talks about how suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces uh, character, and character produces hope, and hope does not fail. And it's oh. this cycle that God is like trying to lead us through yeah. to trust on Him to make us stronger people, to sharpen our mindset, to sharpen the armor that we put on every day, um, to sharpen the hope in our hearts and the love that we have for people. Um, and then I realized that you can either play the role of the victim in life or you can live in victory. Where do you want to be? Part of the problem or part of the solution? And so that's where my mindset started to go. And then the overall question is, what can I get out of this? It's not about what you can get in life. It's about what you can give. And I started to see opportunities that I could give by sharing my story. And I was like asking, like, what does this Trump like me have to give anybody? You know, like, I'm just this, you know, guy who tried to kill himself. You know, nobody likes me, really. And I realized that I everybody has a story. And if you're not sharing your story with the world, what's the word missing? And I realized yeah, the word so is good. hope. And that's yeah. where I started saying I can offer hope to people. And it's not just my hope. Around this time, I was asked to get him saved. And so I realized it's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, that's really doing all the work. So I started clinging to that. And so when I was dropped back in that environment, <clears throat> sure, I was still having uh, trouble with, like, um, I was getting kicked off uh, the football team, got kicked off the wrestling team, clashing with some of those old classmates. But you know what? Like, some of the times it led me into depression, but other times it's like, Hey, don't let what, don't let the negativity distract you from the hope and not, not, not the positive things that are going to, but the hopeful things, the good things, the actual good things, the fruitful things mm-hmm. um, that are happening in life. And so that's where I would, you know, shift my focus. Wow, man, that that's is amazing. That's really good. And, and so from that, your focus now is obviously on Christ and the hope that he brings um, but then God started opening up some platforms for you to be able to speak, not just to school friends and people around the country, but globally on TV shows, sharing your story of hope. Tell us a bit about that journey. Cause there's not many people that have been on that journey. Now you've been on some crazy bad journeys, right? This whole thing was like leading up to this was like, wow, this is crazy. But then it's as though God took you, it's a bit like the Joseph story, right? He was in a pit, but then he ends up in the palace. And same for you, you you were going through a bad time. But God, I feel, put you in places to speak with influence to people. Tell us a little bit about that with some of the TV stuff and GQ magazine and all these other different things that uh, we've been seeing. What was that like to be like, God has a real purpose for me and I didn't see it when I was getting picked on at school. 
Great question. Um, what some of the things come to mind is that one of the, um, it was, we need to invite other people who see our potential into our life, right? Like stop, get away from the people who keep on telling you all the, uh, the negative things that, yeah. you know, you're worth this, all that stuff. Like we need to find the people who matter, right? And sometimes we get our minds so focused on, um, you know, those comments and still clinging like, oh, maybe they're right. But we're getting distracted from finding the people who say like, hey, like, this is your plan. This is your purpose. I believe in you. And at first, you don't always find them, right? Like, you kind of have to do some searching and you got to take some first steps. And one, one of the stories that comes to mind when I talk about all these TV shows is, uh, and, you know, opportunities that I've had is, um, when I got back from doing the 2019 Nick Awards, I was at this bonfire with a bunch of friends and they were like asking me, you know, questions about Nick Canyon, Alicia Keys, and I was just telling them about my experience in New York and how I met Samuel Jackson. And I was like, Mr. Jackson, I'm Mr. Jackson. What's that? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, That's good. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody says, the only reason why you get to do these things is because people feel sorry for you. And mm. um, at that moment, I wanted to punch that person in the face, you know. And, um, <laughs> I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> but I realized, like, all those moments throughout my life, nobody really felt sorry for me. Like, my mom cared for me. She didn't necessarily feel sorry for me. Like, she, she mm. loved me deeply and cared for me. But it takes some action on our part to finally get to draw people into the story. And they don't want to see a story of a, of a victim. They want to see and live and celebrate that victory. Yes. So this isn't to shame anybody who has been a victim or shame anybody who is going through hard trouble. It's just to encourage them as like, once we kind of step out of that box and put into action yeah. um, that hope or the, the purpose that we have, I say, yeah, regardless of what everybody else says, this is my purpose, right? Yeah. Like, if you start believing in that, then people will get on your team to celebrate you. Um, but people, I don't, I don't really feel like people feel sorry for people. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, I love that you have been willing to use your pain as a platform and your, your pain as a microphone and, um, obviously your story and your message has impacted people th throughout the globe. And obviously Jesus is a big part of that. So how did you, um, uh, did you grow up in a Christian home or how did you come to Christ? Um, I always knew Jesus. Um, we were, uh, check the box Sunday people. And <laughs> so, and then there was a period where my mom wasn't taking us to church and, um, uh, and it, it, actually when it, another event that was happening in my life is when I was, uh, you know, 12, 13 years old, I almost lost my mom. Mm -hmm. And so my mom, um, obviously had the story of her own and, you know, love that woman to death, made some bad choices. Don't hold them against her, forgive her and love her even more. Um, but her story is, you know, she's been relying on all these men and all these men haven't been the best um, for her kids. And 
that was kind of the theme she had. And so she was praying one week and told a concert about this and said, you know, I just want God to break me to where the only person I can rely on is him. And her concert encouraged her to be very careful about that. And so my a guy ran a red light, uh, crashed into the driver's side door, broke three of her vertebrae, um, punctured liver, punctured lung, hanging on by life support. But I watched that woman confined to a hospital bed, almost like flatlining, get up and said that the, there's only two things that are important. Um, me getting in a relationship with God and my children and getting my children back home. And I watched that woman persevere and persevere and persevere. And she had like this light about her. And around the time I was like trying to figure out, you know, what is hope and what is all this stuff. She was like this mm. image of like what that looks like. Yeah. And so I started going to church with her, even though I didn't really want to, <laughs> you know. And then that's when like my relationship you know, with the Lord's tried to started to change and like actually having a relationship. And then that year, um, on my mom's birthday, we both got baptized. Man, wow. so man what a story. That, that is, is so cool. And, and, and now we know where you get your fight, man. Uh, your perseverance is, is coming directly um, from your mom. And that's just, it's so awesome. In fact, um, Talk, you know, since we're talking about about hope, people can't see you, but we can. Andy and I can, and you have a shirt that says hope, a hat that says hope, and you during COVID launched your own clothing brand, correct? I did launch my own clothing brand. I'm kind of was stuck at home and itching to make an impact, so trying out all these different podcast stuff. And one of my dreams has always been uh, to start a clothing line, and uh, not just any clothing line, just one that actually makes an impact in the world. So I took my phase of uh, hope is vital and uh, I put it into action through this clothing brand. So every time uh, somebody purchases um, something from my site, 10% of that goes back to charity. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I want to touch on something and we're going to talk about your clothing line in just a minute because we we want people to bombard you with buying this stuff because it is really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. But you've mentioned twice about forgiving your mom and forgiving your dad can you take us on that journey a little bit with especially with your dad because you know he's still obviously in prison and uh you mentioned about the forgiveness you've you've come to to forgive him there's some people that are listening that may be a hard pill to swallow can you just take us through that journey I mean, forgiveness is a is a powerful thing. Like, um, there's times in life where you need to forgive uh, yourself, uh, yeah. forgive other people, forgive the small things, but then you work in towards forgiving the big things. And so, um, forgiveness is a very powerful tool. It's a spiritual tool. It can even be a form of worship. Um, when I was starting to speak, when I was like 13, so from 13... To 15 years old, um, I didn't show my face. Now, when I was speaking in person, I was like speaking like, you know, in like California, Nebraska, uh, Washington, D.C., used my face there, you know, used my name. 
but for media purposes, I would never show allow my face to be shown. And um, one night I was receiving a an award locally, and leading up to this uh, award, God started laying it on my heart like, you need to forgive people. And it's just like one of those things. Like every time you open up your Bible, mm. you, you, you see that <laughs> passage, and then like it's like a billboard outside your house, you know, that says, you know, yeah, yeah. and you're like, yeah. I get the sign. Dang it, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, okay, okay, I can forgive people. You know, I can forgive my sister for making me pay babies, you know, like all these little things. But then like, you feel like, you know, you have your father's just feeling like, that's not what I'm talking about. But good, <laughs> good, good, good boy. But that's not what I'm talking about. And so it's just like, it's like, it was hitting me deeper and deeper and deeper. But anyways, I go on to do this interview full face for the first time and saying like, yeah, you know what? This is my story. I don't care what anybody thinks. Like, here's what I'm doing about it. You know, um, you got a problem, you know, I solve it. You know, drop some vanilla ice in there maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but then like, they asked me, is there anything else you want to say? And I said, yeah, I just wanted to say that I forgive my father. And I, I, I couldn't even believe it was coming out of my mouth. Like, I was like, did I just say that? Like, mm. what? why did I just say that? Um, I realized there's a bunch of misconceptions around forgiveness. And um, what I think people think is like, forgiveness means you have to forget. Right. And yeah. forgiveness yeah. is about the other person. And I would like to challenge both of those things Forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to forget. And forgiveness is between you and God. And that's it. Because forgiveness isn't like giving the power back to somebody who's harming you. Forgiveness is restoring the power where it's supposed to be between you and God. Right? Laying it down at his feet and saying, hey, God, you can handle this better than I can. Because you know that old saying that uh, God doesn't give you anything you can't handle? Well, that's bogus, right? I think God does give you things that you can't handle because it's not about whether you can handle them. It's about whether he can handle them. And he is waiting for all that baggage and stuff in your life. And man, for the longest time, just because I was propelling forward, I still felt like I was going backwards because I had that bitterness. I had that baggage, you know, that was still holding me back and still, you know, trying to pull me back to the old ways. And I was just like, nah, like I need to, uh, you know, take a lesson from the major motion picture, best Pixar movie ever made, uh, Frozen, and just, you know, let it go. <laughs> yeah. There's a spiritual act of letting it go called forgiveness. Good. Oh. That's good. That is good because um, I think that's where a lot of people get bound up is they they can't even get to that point of forgiveness. And uh, for you, obviously, this is a major thing that changed your life every second of the day. And yet you were able to still uh, really pull from the forgiveness of the father uh, to be able to forgive your father. That That's, uh, you know, an amazing uh, way. And I know there's going to be people listening that um, they... They're trying to wrap their heads around that. Yeah, and forgiveness is not a prayer; it's a journey. Yeah. And um, like mm. you mentioned, this is a, a, a walk that you're on. And yeah, it does not mean you forget, and it does not mean that the person you're forgiving is off the hook. You're just 
you're giving it to God. Yeah. And so God can heal you so you can move forward. And it's just really um, inspiring to, to hear you speak, to hear you share your story and the journey that you've been on and how you have dealt with adversity. So let me ask you this for people that are wondering that. So, so how is your health today based on everything that you've been through? Um, I can answer that question by just saying two more things about, you know, forgiveness. Is I like how you said that it, it is a journey because forgiveness isn't always just a one-stop shop. You know, you just don't mm-hmm. say forgive. You know, this the forgiveness is also um, the reason why I say it's good worship is because it's also a grieving process. So it is part of the journey that you, you some days your your old self is gonna try to be like, oh, hey, remember they did that, and that's when you're like, no, talk to God and like re re grieve, reprocess, and restore where that situation is supposed to be but um after i forgave my father um i got some good news from the doctor's appointment uh doctor's appointment and they said i'm undetectable which means my virus has been sustained and my t-cell count as is at an all-time high giving you a zero it's a chance of passing on the virus huge prayers answered wow uh, but fast forward to the last couple of years, um, HIV is still under control, but my T cells started to drop and they don't know why. And uh, so throughout this pandemic and just, uh, you know, even though things are getting better now, I'm still confined at home because they don't have an answer for why my T cells continue to drop. And uh, they think I might have an autoimmune disease and uh maybe a cancer i hope it's not both of those i hope it's just a little adjustment but they've tried so hard to figure out what it is uh this guy and i'm just continuing to pray that um you know i give them the wisdom uh that god gives them the wisdom the knowledge um and the the scientific evidence to help me um in the best way they can so that's where i'm at today but um i need on the outside, you know, I I work out, so I, I look healthy. I appear to be healthy. There's just some little tweaks inside that you'd be like, hmm. Your hair's getting long, man. It looks cool. I'll say that, man, Mr. GQ. Come on. Well, this is what happens when you can't go out. And, yeah. uh, you know, a year later. So I, I told people I, I feel like I look like uh, Forrest Gump when he gets done running. <laughs> Well, well. Speaking of of running, um, I mean, you ran yourself right into the record book, Guinness World Book of Records. I, we got to hear this, and we're going to ask you to pray. But we we want to, uh, man. Um, I'm familiar with it, but I know Andy has yet to hear this. Yeah. So, um, and our listeners. So, how did you bust into the Guinness World Book of Records? So, um, I was basically just like sitting around and. Um, some of the best ideas and some of the worst ideas come to me when I'm just sitting around. Um, I think everybody can relate to that. That's probably the most relatable thing I've said all day. Um, but <laughs> one of the most related, like one of the best things that came is said like, Oh, you should break a word record. And I'm like, what? Like, I was thinking like all of these like crazy things like, Hey man, I would like to go on like a 50, uh, you 50, 50 days and 50 days. And people are like, why? And I was like, oh, because I don't know if there's a record for that. And they're like, well, why don't you figure out what records um, you can break? And I was like, yeah, good idea. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this. 
<laughs> so I'm looking at like easy ones, you know, like uh, how, many, how many oranges can know, I eat? Into... <laughs> uh, maybe I could eat the largest spit bubble in the world, and I just eat disgusting. Scratch that. Uh, most high fives and people are like, you really want to be known as the high five guy? High five, you know, like uh, <laughs> uh, no. And I was like, well, what which ones should they say about speaking? Right? <clears throat> I could go for the longest speech. Um, and I, or I could go for the most speeches in 24 hours. And then I was looking at the longest speech and it was like three days. And I was like, yeah, um, <laughs> I know people say I talk a lot, but I don't talk that much. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking up this, uh, this one for most speeches in 24 hours and it has not been broken since 2008, um, because it was rewarded to a guy named Ralph Nader. And, you know, Ralph Nader is a very interesting man, uh, stocked <laughs> by GM and the government one, and now he's trying to give back and, uh, you know, ran for president a couple of times, lost all time. And then he lost his uh, uh, world record because I uh, broke that world record um, with most speeches in 24 hours. I did 24 speeches in 24 hours. I actually did 26, but two of them didn't count. And basically, the whole overall idea is I wanted to do something that was going to instill hope in people. Yeah, you know, yes, so, get yes. something right. A purpose. People ride up and say, like, hey, man, like, this is making a difference. Draw your attention in, in a positive light. Um, and it was less to do about me and more to do about my city. Um, you know, all joking aside, like, that's how, like, the bigger picture of this came in. And, you know, to my surprise, like, once I, you know, I was telling you, you know, you got to start believing things in yourself. Once I started believing the idea and putting the idea in play and I started talking to people about it, some people were like, that's crazy. Why are you doing that? Nobody in St. Charles or St. Louis has done that before. And I'm like, okay. But I keep on sharing my vision. And then I started mm. to find people who are buying into that vision. Yeah. And those are ones who came alongside me and really uh, help make that vision a reality. And together as a city, we we have more people, you know, rally together. And then we made that whole complete, you know, vision a reality. And it was awesome. It was probably the uh, most interesting 24 hours of my life. Um, I only slept like two hours that night. Um, wow. But it, it, it was good, and I'm, I'm glad I did it. Uh, I probably won't do it again, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Never say never. never yeah. Say never. Has, the re has the record been broken? Unfortunately, the record has been broken since then. So I, I, I don't know where they're at right there. But it's nice because I got a plaque on the wall. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. You set a world record, that's period. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Man. Well, I know your conversation with us today has really sparked a lot of people um, as far as everything from forgiveness to your story of healing, uh, ongoing healing, uh, to relationship with your mom. Would you just pray into, into that for us? Uh, and even with the hope message that you have, could you, could you pray for, for us and, and obviously the people that are listening right now? Absolutely. I, it would be my pleasure. So, dear Heavenly Father, just uh, 
Thank you for this time today. Thank you for being a good father who just knows our hearts and knows the true human that we are, Jesus. Thank you for drawing out the goodness in us. Thank you for drawing the good people into this world. And Lord Jesus, in a, in a world full of distractions and politics and just like distractions and stuff, Lord Jesus, thank you for still shining your light daily in our lives. Thank you for allowing us to just see that light and continue to cling near, Lord Jesus. But let's not just say people need to get over the hurt, Lord Jesus. There's a lot of people who are hurting, Lord Jesus, and I just want you to take them, and I just want you to wrap them and love them. And as you wrap them and love them, remind them that they are a somebody who's worthy of love and somebody who is worthy of you, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that you just lead their hearts to forgiveness. I just pray that you lead their hearts to hope and all the good things that come from you, the good fire, the true vine. And Lord Jesus, those people who are seeking you, put the fruit in us so we can inspire the people, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you know, um, we haven't done this before. I didn't, I didn't tell Andy this either, but um, can I pray for you? And I think I'd love for Andy and I just to take a moment and pray for you and what, you know, the health challenges that you're, you're facing right now. And we're just going to ask all of our listeners to agree with us and, and pray for you. Would you mind if we did that? Yes, please. Yeah. Okay. Father, right now, we just thank you that your word says if two shall agree on anything that we could have whatsoever we say. And we know that you're not a genie in a bottle, but your word does say to come boldly, come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain Philippians 4 tells us not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything. Yeah. So today, Andy and I and all of our listeners, our audience, we join our faith together on behalf of, of Brian and the physical challenges that he is facing right now in this moment. And we just ask you to let your healing power flow into him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. We ask you to cleanse his blood. We ask you to move through his entire being. And we just command his body to function the way that it was created to in Jesus' name. We thank you for the hope that we have in you. We stand on your word. We we declare it. Your word says, decree a thing, it shall be established. So we just thank you by faith right now that not only are you healing Brian, but you're making him completely whole. And we just yeah. pray, Lord, that you will strengthen him and give him the peace of God that passes all understanding. We thank you that this test really will become a testimony that will draw people to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, Brian, we... We thank you for you telling your story, not just the dark side, but also the hope side. And uh, so what we want to do is, uh, we talked about the clothing line briefly. We want people to just get online and be able to get some of this great uh, stuff that you've got. So what is the best way for people to to be able to get the clothing uh, and also to connect with you as well if they want to, message you or just leave a, a message of hope for you during this time what's the best way so um the best way to let me just give the one through the best way to get a hold of me is through facebook or instagram or twitter my name is b-r-r-y-a-n jackson j-a-c-k-s-o-n so you just slap the little at thingy on there yep. and um you'll get me um don't forget the double r and the y because i'm awesome 
Um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then if you guys are looking, and then you can check out my website, brianjackson.com. But if you're looking for more uh, uh, information about Hope is Vital, you can check out hopeisvital.co, T-O. Um, hopeisvital.co. And we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we'd love to you know, hear from people and um, how I could be praying for them and supporting them. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's bring hope into the world. Amen. What I, I tell everybody my uh, clothing line is uh, all other clothes are hopeless. So you see the shirts that you guys are wearing? They're not hopeful. They're hopeless. This is the only hope. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's oh, brilliant. It's good, good, good stuff. We appreciate, we appreciate you bringing that hope for sure. Um, I tell you what we want to do now. We do something every uh, show is we want to find out things about you that no one would know or just, you know, uh, may just get into your world a little bit. So... Um, Chuck, do you want me to start? or Yeah, let's have you start. All right, I'll start. Okay, all right, here we go. You've traveled the world, right? Uh, what is your favorite city you have ever visited? Um, I like every city for their uniqueness. And um, one place that I get... I, more appropriate would be easier for me to answer is like where I would like to retire. Okay, and that's yeah, kind yeah. of right down on the uh, the Gulf Shores side of Florida, mm, you know, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. maybe the Alabama side. Come on. Uh, yeah. But it's just beautiful there. I fell in love with a couple of towns there. Um, but every place I've traveled in the world um, has been extraordinarily beautiful for different reasons. And it's kind of like somebody, you know, as a uh, somebody who's a movie buff, somebody asks, you know, what are your favorite movies? Well, I could tell you like the top like 10, right. but like there's so many great yeah, ones, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. All, All right. right. All right. Here's my question, Brian. You inspire a lot of people. Who inspires you? I would have to say that my mom inspires me, um, you know, just with the, the way that she has, you know, um, you know, handled her story and her life and continues to, um, you know, trust in the Lord. So that has been a huge inspiration to me. I have a couple of my, uh, I, I wouldn't call them minor heroes, they like heroes um, that I've been trying to figure out how I can take that whole list and like, put it into into like my book um when i write one in on the dedication page but i think a lot of them have to be like kids that i've met in orphanages or mm. kids that i've met at um camps that i've had for hiv and just seeing like this child like faith come out mm. you know it just reminds me of the child like faith and just how they're handling things and they're handling things that i have handled but they're handling them like way younger and to have that, like, shy, like, faith that continues to, like, push them towards hope earlier in life makes me very hopeful and inspired. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I've got one last question. That's if, really good. If you um, could break another world record and and you could do anything and it wouldn't be tiring or anything else, what would that be? I could break a word, another world record. What would it be? Um, 
Please include the number 41. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. I, I, I could drink. I mean, I feel like an easy one that I could break is drinking the most diet that could ever in any given day, you know? <laughs> I can drink 41 of those bad boys. Yeah, there you go. Hey, there you go. Oh, that's good. But that's uh, good. That's I good. think I would I think I would like to attempt the one that I already did again, um, but also maybe aim for that longest speech in the world. I just hope people aren't falling asleep. I'll tell people to bring their sleeping bag, but uh, I'll make it as interesting as I can. That's All right. Good. That is brilliant. Good that's stuff. Good. Love it. Love it. Well, Brian, it has been an honor to have you on the podcast today for you to share your story. And uh, again, I, I pray that people will connect with you, uh, not just through social media, but also uh, through the clothing you have. Hopeisvital.co. Hopeisvital.co. Yeah. Get, it, get on yeah. there. And also connect with your story to share it with others. Hope, hope people will share this podcast to others. Um, because your message is incredible and, and keep going. We really, really do appreciate you coming on to the podcast today, Brian. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, if there's any more questions that any listeners have out there, feel free to contact me. I love meeting new people. Uh, I love collecting people. Like It's just my little thing of finding out where everybody is in the world. And uh, uh, if anybody who's listening to this and just has any questions or any struggles in life, I would love to hear from them. And maybe I can help them, you know, figure out how to find that hope in their life and have a hope-filled life. So uh, thank you for the opportunity for me to share my story on your platform. Hey, thank you. You're a good man, Brian. Thank you so much. Speak soon. Well, Andy, hope is in the house. Oh, man. Come on. It was amazing. You know, we got done recording and then we started uh, talking to Brian and his heart, you know, I was talking to him about the Dream Center and his heart just, you could see in his eyes, like, I want to know more because I want to help and I want to bring hope to, you know, the homeless and the kids that we work with at the Dream Center. That That's his heart. It's It's not this... I mean, he's had a platform. He didn't really go into it too much, but he's been able to globally tell his story, yet is willing to come to Peoria and be with some kids who are struggling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing heart. Yeah. I love his heart, and his message is filled with hope. Yeah. You know, and that's really all of our message. You know, hope's in the heart. Yeah, well, why don't why don't we as a uh, I, I feel family, you know, our podcast family that listen, we got a lot of people who, who listen to this every week. Let's bombard him with orders for those t-shirts and hats, yes, just I, to help him in this time because he cannot get out of his house right now because of what's going on with health, and I think this will just help him uh, to really uh, be even more positive than what he is. You know, yeah, yeah, keep him I, going. I have his website pulled up right now, hopeisvital.co. I'm getting ready to order a hat, man. It's really cool. Check, check that out. Oh, man. That is cool. Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. you guys have got to check the website out and, and go and order something right now. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, he did mention it uh, very briefly, but he went to England. You know what that means, don't you? It's time for Tate and his mate. There it is. I got a good one today. All right. I'm ready. Um, this one is an everyday 
um, thing in the English households, mm. especially if there's a family involved. Okay, mm. I'm trying to help you out. Now, last week you got it pretty quick. Okay, yeah. So this yeah. week... Yeah, last week was doolally. Doolally. I'm a little doolally. <laughs> if you're so. listening and you're like, what are they on about? Every week I challenge my mate Tate with a English word, slang word, phrase. We've even had different things in in the actual room. Yeah, you've, tea you've and- made tea for me and I've had the digestive cookies, biscuits, crackers, cookies, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> <laughs> we did mince pies. Mince pies. Your dad yep. made for us, and he brought them in. Yeah, uh, yeah. This has been, you know, it's a highlight. Uh, when we record these podcasts, one of the highlights for me is taking this make because I always know I'm going to get to try some goodies. Well, if I no, can't, there's if no I, goodies today. There's no goodies today, but I get to guess. You get to guess. I get to guess. Are you ready? I'm ready. Um, that baby needs a dummy. That baby needs a dummy. D U M M Y. Dummy. Give that baby a dummy. Dummy, well. That baby needs a dummy. If it was my house, that would mean dad. (laughs) Um, I'm going (laughs) to. I meant to say that if that was your house. (laughs) um, So, dummy. That baby needs a dummy. I want to say. Diaper? No. No, okay, okay. Maybe needs a dummy. But uh, there may be an English word for diaper coming up in a few weeks. Mm, mm, all right. I'm going to remember that and file that one away. Yep. Dummy, uh, how about a, like a pacifier? Is it a pacifier? You got it again. Really? Yeah. Oh, check it out. Yeah, two in a week. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, what a rogue. Yeah. Come on. So a dummy means yeah, pacifier. So instead of Tate and his mate, it's great and his mate. Oh, hey, oh, hey. Oh. Look at you! Look at you! Wow. Yeah, let me strut and pride comes before a fall. I'm gonna—I know I'm gonna yeah. bomb the next episode. Well, I wish I could put a dummy in your mouth sometimes. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, there you go, there you go. So yeah, so dummy, well, and and also you are a bit of a dummy as well, which yeah, means a bit yeah, like doolally as well. A doolally dummy. <laughs> oh, oh man, guys. Um, Make sure that you um, send us a message. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you and like to play the recording of your voice on our podcast. Tell them how they can do that. Go to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Click on Listen Now. That will take you to our Anchor page in the center or somewhere on that homepage of Anchor. There's a a button that says Message. and You just click on that and you can leave an audio recording. And we'll pull it off and Yeah, we like we've done on past episodes. Yep, yep. And again, make sure you're following us on social media. And uh, we are we, we're on there quite a bit. We love... You know what I'm going to do? We don't do this a, not, a lot either. Um, our personal Instagrams. Because oh, yeah. obviously we want people to know about our lives. It's way beyond uh, Revival Town Podcast. This is just get a little to, thing we get do. Get to know Andy and Chuck. Get to know Andy we, and Chuck. We want to know you. We, will you be our friends? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, Chuck, tell them about your socials. Uh, well, my, all my socials are the same. Chuck E. Tate. That's it. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page, Chuck E. Tate. Or you can friend me as just Chuck Tate on Facebook. Um, but here, here's here's my new jam, all right? And I know you're going to make fun of me. 
I'm a, I'm a doolally, right? Every, every day, man. So TikTok is my jam, though. Chuck E. Tate, follow me on TikTok. I'd love to connect with you. I post every single day on, on TikTok, and I have a, a, a lot of fun. So, man. Uh, yeah, how about you? you Tell them how one, they can follow. You're Andy. one of the cool kids. Yeah, I'm trying. It's because I'm hanging out with you. <laughs> so, so tell me how we can follow Andy. So King. I am Andy Britt. So A N D Y B R I T. Uh, I've actually had people come up to me uh, saying, "Hey, it's Andy Britt instead of Andy King." So that's been pretty fun. Hey, that is really really cool. So, uh, so yeah, Andy Britt, and that's on all platforms. And uh, I am not on TikTok, but I. You need I to guess be, I need to be if I keep, get up, on t- man. keep up with the uh, the Tate Master over there. So, uh, so yeah, so connect with us and we will uh, we we are interactive. You can DM us that type of thing. We'll get back to you. So yeah, what are you looking at there? I am going to tell people how they can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We're on pretty much every podcast platform: yep. Spotify and Apple and Google and. Edify, and now we are new to the faithchannel.com family. So you can find us there, faithchannel.com as well. Lots of different platforms. But um, we'd love, you know, one thing I like about Apple Podcasts is people can leave ratings and little messages like um, like Trucker Jeff said, love these guys, puts the fun in, and the Lord in my Monday because we release every Monday. I'm amazed at the Christian talent Chuck and Andy find every single show. Can't wait to visit Rock Church and visit Dream Center someday. Love the three questions, the big three yeah, at the yeah. end of the interviews. And, of course, Tate and his mate. So, you know what? We'd, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Just leave us a review. And that's on Apple, correct? I was that, listening that to you. Apple. Yep. It's you very... can follow us on Spotify or, or wherever, whatever platform you use. Make sure you follow it. If you have an opportunity to leave a rating or review, we'd appreciate that too. That it helps extend our reach to get the message of hope to more people. Man, how'd you say that in one breath? Uh, hey, man, I, I don't know. I'm a little, little doolally. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. And uh, make sure you're telling people about the podcast. Chuck, I love doing this. You know, uh, we've said it many times. Uh, not in a weird way, but uh, we love doing this. So uh, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Highlight of my month, like you always say. All right. Speak soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,